back, folks. Beautiful morning here in sunny slope today. And uh, it couldn't be more beautiful with the clouds over the mountains and the clear skies that we have in this nice breeze. We do have three lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Eileen in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Uh, my question is, are our two pomegranate trees salvageable? Uh, in the three years that we've been in this house, the trees have produced a lot of fruit, but they're not edible. They aren't red. They're brown and yellow, and the seeds are sour, and sometimes they crack open while they're still on the branches. Are they salvageable? Well, most but most pomegranates will produce a decent fruit here. And, almost, and most, most of them are actually wonderful. Most of them are the same variety. A couple of things you want to do for them that would make a big difference is this winter, you know, thin them way down. Just leave like three or four main canes and lighten up the load for the root mass that you have. And then you want to fertilize them in the spring when they start to grow, you know, somewhere like they, they don't leave out till a little later. So somewhere like in March or so, go ahead and feed them. And then it's real important to keep up the water consistent all summer so that they don't get little cracks and splits. And anything that gets penetrated, and a lot of that's just from a crack because they get so hot, they stop growing. And then the, the weather gets better, they start to grow again, and they'll get a little crack. And those are the ones that will be rotten and sour and, and all bad in the bottom. Um, so then we end up having to protect them. So if you thin them down so you have less on the tree and if you take the bigger ones and you put a paper bag or a little mesh bag around them to keep the birds and the bugs away, then you'll have some pretty nice pomegranates. And most pomegranates ripen here somewhere around Thanksgiving and it takes some cool nights to ripen them. Okay. So I guess well, my answer so is yes, they are probably definitely salvageable, but I think you need to work on them this year. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Eileen. Bye-bye. Uh, Jose in Phoenix. Good morning, Jose. Good morning. Yes, I had a question about the roses. Okay. Yeah, after the heat, when I can start to fertilize them? Right now, Jose. If, you know what I would do? Are they long-stem roses, like hybrid teas? Or are they the bush yeah. roses? The long-stem roses, bush, I, I, bush, bush roses. With, like, the white flowers, like icebergs? Yes. Okay. So the icebergs cut them back by about a third. Okay. And take a lot of that burnt foliage off. Fertilize them right now. And if you want to use a systemic, like a systemic rose food would be very good to use right now to prevent having aphids and some of the other problems we might have this month. And uh, they should be back in bloom in about four weeks. Okay, but after the heat, so in first uh, week of September, I can start to fertilize it? Yeah, fertilize them right now, but go ahead and prune them too. So cut them back. Okay. Yeah, and how often I, I need had to fertilize it? Well, you know, really depends on the type of fertilizer used. With most of these rose foods, if you're just buying regular rose fertilizer, or if you're using like a 10-10-10, you'd want to feed them now and then again in about two months. So now oh. and around Thanksgiving time. And uh, yeah, that okay. should be good for the winter. Then cut them back a little tighter in January and feed them again in February. Oh, sounds perfect. Roses, roses Jose, really like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, well, the food, I don't think so. The fertilizer, right? If yeah. they fertilize when they kill, they're not right. Well, you don't want to fertilize them when it's real hot. So you don't want to fertilize mm -hmm. them, and you know, after the first of June, probably until August. You could fertilize them in August, though, but I wouldn't fertilize oh. them in, in June and July. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks for so Have a nice weekend. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. -bye. Uh, Adrian in Deer Valley. Hello, Adrian. Good morning. 
It's a little smoky out there this morning. Still Is it? The hay. It's, it's, it's certainly in, not here in Sunny Slow. Maybe it's blowing off the fire going up that way. <laughs> earlier, earlier in Deer Valley it was. I don't know. Couldn't open the window. But anyway, yeah. I have a ficus tree. I know you've talked about them before, but I have a ficus benjamina mm-hmm. that, of course, I got about oh, 10 or 12 years ago. And, of course, I just planted it next to one little dripper, which... <laughs> And, of course, I planted it about 32 inches away from the sidewalk leading to my front door. (laughs) So now I have, of course, uh, a root that's growing towards the, you know, under the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of dead uh, branches on the tree from this summer. And I got the sooty canker where the dead branches are. So I've heard you mention the Monterey Disease Control. so is that a spray on application? Well, or? yeah, you could do both, Adrian. What I would do is, you know, mix it, put it, spray it on the fall. Well, I would prune prune everything out, okay? If you're making cuts that have city canker on it, make sure you're sterilizing your pruning equipment in between cuts. Just dip them in bleach so you're not spreading it back into more of the plant. So prune out everything you can that's got the city canker you can see on it, okay? And anything that's healthy, leave. You know, for now, we're going to reduce the size later. But anything that's healthy now, leave. Don't mess with the root in the ground because we need to have every opportunity it has to come back right now. Spray the Monterey Disease Control on the foliage and on the ground both and and water it in. And uh, it's pretty darn good weather. So you might also give it a shot of some Super Thrive and a little bit of whatever kind of fertilizer you have at home. And what's Super Thrive? Super Thrive is a vitamin and hormone product that was made by this most wonderful gentleman who uh, ran the Vitamin Institute over in Los Angeles. And he's a PhD from Stanford, but it's just a fantastic product. It's vitamins and hormones, but it really works, really helps trees to recover when they're damaged as yours is. Okay. And I'm going to take a bunch of the... I was going to reduce the size of the tree. Let's let, let's not the, let's not do that yet. Okay, so for right now, instead of reducing the size of the tree a whole bunch because it's got the city canker, let's cut the city canker out and get the tree healthy. And then as soon as the tree starts growing again, then you can reduce the size. And then this winter, you could cut that root off. Okay. Okay, but because your trees, you know, it's not in great condition right now, and you want to save it, you know, we want to don't want to be so dramatic all at one time. So cut the dead branches off first. Cut the dead branches off. Treat it with the Monterey Disease Control, a little Super Thrive, a little fertilizer. When it starts to pop out new buds, and it should do that with this weather, which isn't just a week or two. The weather's perfect for it. And yeah, it uh, kind of is on the bottom of the tree. Is it? Yeah. Well, you, you know, if, if it's coming out enough on the bottom of the tree, you really want to reduce its size. Just cut off everything that's got the sooty canker and water it and feed it, let it come out. If you, if you can cut all the sooty canker you see out, that's not a problem. All right. All right. Well, Thanks. I'll do that because it's a quarterly trash. <laughs> well, cut away. As long as you've got new growth that's coming out that's viable and healthy, then you can cut away. I wouldn't cut that root off it just yet. I'd save that for this, this spring. But, uh, you know, if you want to prune it back now, if it's, if it's got viable, healthy growth, you know, growth coming out, go ahead and prune it. Okay, so you think after in a few months from now when I do cut the root out, the mm-hmm. sidewalk might settle back down? Well, in a couple of years when that root completely decays and breaks down, but no, not very fast. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I understand. Thanks, Adrian. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Sandy, good morning. Good morning. 
yesterday you told me to put some uh, 21714 on my Mediterranean palm that's got a lot of brown leaves. Uh-huh. And um, I said, can I mix it with water? Mm-hmm. If I take a five-gallon pail, how much of the... Uh, 21714 should I put in that pail? Well, do you have a pretty big well on your plant to hold uh, the water? Maybe three feet. Okay. So go ahead and put a cup full in that in that uh, five-gallon bucket of water. All right. And can I also use that same fertilizer to do my uh, ruella? Oh, absolutely. And the same, same amount? Uh, yeah, mix it the same way. It'll be fine. Okay. That's it. Thanks, Thank Andy. You. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available. We're going to come back with Suzanne and Carolyn. But if you'd like to be after Carolyn, all you got to do is give Mr. Sal a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR, here on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. And we're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. Enjoy the morning, Susan. Okay. Uh, I have a very large pine tree, which uh, is probably about 40 years old. And uh, it has some dead wood on it. And I was wondering when should I have someone come and cut that off? The best time, Susan, to prune pine trees is when they're dormant in the wintertime. So that's going to be December or January. And I'll tell you a little pointers. If you're making large cuts on a pine tree, if you'll seal those cuts, they won't bleed sap so much. 
because if you just make the big open cuts, and a lot of uh, tree trimmers and arborists will do that, they'll bleed sap mm -hmm. for years. So if you don't want to deal with that, seal the cut when they cut it. No, because it's in a place where it, it you track in it. So. Yeah, so make sure okay. when, the, when they're making the prune, pruning marks, they're sealing the cuts on it. Okay, now is the pine susceptible to anything like the, you know, you talk about the cat or the... City canker things. Pines are susceptible yes. to a lot of things. You know, pine trees that are mostly here are mostly Aleppo's and Eldericas, and they come from uh, either Iran, Iraq, or uh, you know Syria. So that's where most of our pine trees come from, and uh, those are okay. all pretty pretty hardy trees in desert climates. Except for you know when we have record temperatures like this year, we have more problems. Oh. And occasionally you'll have aphids and things on them in the spring. So if you see them start to brown in the spring, you might want to treat them for the aphids that might be on them. But other than that, if you'll mm -hmm. deep water them monthly. You know, they'll usually stay pretty happy. Okay. So, and then the other thing is, is how do you get these guys to clean their tools? Um, you, you, you tell them and you instruct them and you, <laughs> you, you, well, you, I you just tell them that's how it is, you know? Can I go out there with my spray bottle of bleach and just go to town? You, you know, can go out there with, with, with a spray bottle of bleach or just actually it's easier with a five-gallon bucket mixed with, you know, pretty concentrated Make bleach water. Yeah. In there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, now, when we when we actually pick from one citrus grove to another, we actually have the guys do that with all their hand pruners even just so we don't spread anything. Right. Right. Well, that worries me because I, I have had the issue with sooty canker fungus, but I don't. I honestly, what does that look like? It's, it's black and hard. powdery, so the bark will peel off and be black and powdery underneath. Black and powdery. And I did hear you say that the uh, ficus mintitas are susceptible to that. Well, very much so in a drought year. When they're really hurt like they were this year, they just didn't have enough Ugh. moisture. And so when, yeah. the, when they start to get weak, that's when plants are more susceptible to infections with fungus okay. and, and pests okay, and different things. Yeah, don't trim this thing till December or January. All right, that's All right. good to know. Thanks, Suzanne. All right, thank bye you bye. very much. Have, have, a, have nice, a good day. Bye bye. You too. Bye. Uh, Carolyn and Scottsdale. Good morning, Carolyn. Oh, good morning. Um, I have a. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's a garden question. Um, <laughs> I would like to be able to transition our front lawn to Xeriscape, uh mm -hmm. this coming year. I do have um, a planted island and so forth. Um, I'm concerned about how I get ahead of the Bermuda grass, which is probably, mm, it's got to be at least 35 years old. Um, well, or, or well Carolyn, th this is, if you're planning on killing Bermuda grass, this is an excellent time to do it in the fall. So if you would water mm -hmm. it, fertilize it, okay, real heavy one time, and then don't mow it for like two weeks and come back and spray it with glyphosate, you'll kill 99% of it. Now it's not you're not going to get it all, but you'll get most of it. Well, the problem, um, the concern that I have about using an herbicide mm -hmm. to kill the grass is the fact that I do want to in this in this front yard area, um, I do want to come back with granite and you know some rocks and so forth, but I do also want to be able to plant. Um, you know, some plants here. And well, there. you know, if you use a contact herbicide, okay, like glyphosate, which is, you know, brand name Roundup uh, is the most common one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a contact herbicide. It's going to kill the grass, okay, but it's not going to sterilize your soil. So it's a very good one to use. But you want to use a contact killer. There are other ones that are out there that say that they're going to last for six months or two months or any, anything that's going to last more than a contact herbicide. I would not recommend. There are some chemicals out there that are very bad that will definitely hurt your mm -hmm. soil. 
And so if you'll avoid those, one's called ortho ground clear. I think there's an extended term roundup now that has different chemicals in it other than glyphosate. But if you just look in the label and it's glyphosate's the active ingredient. And when you're using it, if you buy one that says it's like 40% glyphosate, that's where you're getting, you're, you're, you know, paying for what the real material is. Everything else is any other additives you really don't need. And uh, one little couple but, pointers when you're putting that on, if you want it to work better, you can mix it with some Dawn soap and put a little bit of liquid fertilizer like miracle Growing with it and mm-hmm. you'll get a better kill. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I totally understand that one. So it's um, okay. But um, how long would I have to hold off uh, planting plants one day. in that area? Till it's dry. I'm sorry. One day. Till it's dry. What oh. you what you really want to do is when you spray, you want to let it. You know, you want to leave it for like at least a couple of weeks. So what I would do is I would spray it and kill it. Okay, then I would turn the irrigation mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. again a couple of weeks later and get get a sod cutter. And a sod cutter you can rent those at most of the rental places around town. We'll take the top mm-hmm. inch off mm-hmm. and all the rhizomes. So you scalp it like you're going to plant ryegrass. Take a sod cutter and just roll up the top inch, and that's going to take most all the rhizomes and all your weed seed and everything. That's going to get rid of a lot of it. You're going to probably still have a little bit left, but that's the best way to go about it. Well, I need to, um, well, I need to add, add back additional soil since you're taking the sod off. Well, cause if you're cutting it an inch, half of what you're taking off is just going to be organic material and, and rhizomes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you're only taking a half inch of dirt off and you're going to put in probably an inch or two of rocks. So, you know, you're not going to hurt anything. Gotcha. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Carolyn. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Uh, Tom and Scottsdale. Good morning, Tom. Hey, Brian. Hey, um, can, can Super Thrive be applied with a spray bottle, you know, so the leaves absorb? A- absolutely. The no, ab- absolutely okay. it can. You know, okay. a lot of plants are going to take things in and, and putting on for, you know, if you have foliage there that's actively growing, it'll work well through, you know, in a foliar spray. Okay. Yeah, because I know miracle Grow works the same way. and mm-hmm. I, I wondered about the Super Thrive. Yep. So. No problem okay. at all. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Tim and Chandler, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Um, today's question is about, I hope I'm calling the right things, orange trumpets. Uh-huh. I also have some neighbors call them orange bells, but they might have gotten way too tall, 10 uh-huh. to 12 feet. They're probably 10 to 12 years old, and they're very woody on the top, three, four, five feet. I'd like to get them ideally at seven feet tall. Do I cut them all the way down to the ground or at about five feet? Well, if you want to grow them seven feet, I'd probably cut them back to, you know, four, four or five, and then just thin them way out. And you want to do it right away because they don't have that much longer to grow. They like the heat. They're going to grow real fast for about the next four weeks, and then they're going to quit growing. So if you want to get them back where they're going to look nice for the holidays, you want to prune them right away. Okay, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Thanks for your help. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Uh, Richard North Phoenix. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Brian. Um, three quick questions. I'm fascinated by a plant called a long-necked uh, ponytail palm. I know they can get real big. Can that go on the south side of my house? Uh, pretty well. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, my mom's got one that I we put at her house, I don't know, 40 years ago. And I've got one that's been in our house for 20 years. And uh, they're a pretty cool plant. They do need some water. You know, they're not a real dry, dry desert plant. But um, if you get them some water, south side's fine. They don't want to really be on the west side of a wall, but the south side's okay. Okay. 
Um, and also, uh, about six, eight months ago, I put in several red oleander trees in a 24-inch box, and I noticed that they're dropping a few little leaves, and they have some flowers on them. Um, will they stay green all through the winter, and should I be doing anything special? They'll be very green through the winter. If you want them to grow faster, Richard, you can fertilize them right now with like a balanced fertilizer like 10-10-10 or citrus food, and that would okay. be good. Uh, so fertilization would be great. Um, dropping leaves, they're going to drop a little leaves and little flowers all the time, and they're going to bloom in cycles. You know, they're going to be in bloom for like maybe five or six weeks, and then they'll go out of bloom, and then they'll come back in bloom. Uh, typically, they're not in too much bloom in December or January, but they should be in bloom now. They are. I have some flowers. Okay. that's Yeah, that's normal. Okay. Then just one last quick question. Uh, white iceberg rose, can that be planted like out in the middle of the yard, or does it have to be trellised? And how big do they get? No, iceberg roses can grow to about five feet by five feet. Uh, you can prune them any okay. size you want to. We use an awful lot of them for hedges, and uh, they make okay. a really nice little screen hedge, and they can grow in full sun. You know, if it's concrete on both sides, that's going to be rough on them. But, um, oh, you know, no. just no. where they can protect themselves you know, from the sun, they will, and they're pretty hardy. Okay, okay. Um, well, you've answered all my questions. Thanks so much, Brian. Have a nice weekend. Bye, Richard. Uh, Brent and Gilbert, good morning, Brent. Good hey. morning. Thank you, Brian. So, Brent, hey, I, I was wondering. Yeah, real quick, we've either got 40 seconds or I can take you after we do the news. Let's go right after the news. All right, I'm going to put you back on hold, and we'll be back with Brent right after the news. In the meantime, we do have three or four lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Sunday morning out there. We do have a couple lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827-277 KTAR. Brent, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you taking the call. I have, I'm wondering if you could give me like a really basic fertilizer 101 education. I hear you, specifically citrus, I hear you talk about 
balanced fertilizer and 10 10 10 and what what does the 10 10 10 mean and i i get to the store and i just get a little confused well so that's nitrogen phosphorus and potash and the most important ingredient here in the desert for citrus is the first number okay and people historically here used to feed them with just ammonium sulfate which was 21 percent nitrogen but if you buy a good balanced citrus fertilizer we have one that we sell called organic organo pro and what makes it different it has a minor package we call it so it's got manganese magnesium and zinc and iron in it, but it's also got a chelated iron and it's got sulfur. So the sulfur helps to lower the pH of the soil and the iron helps the other ones. It needs to be the highest one of the miners helps everything balance out. So that's why the chelated works well. So that's kind of just an overview. That's great. And what about for like hibiscus and gardenia? Same type of thing or a different kind of fertilizer? No, I mean, pretty much for hibiscus, it would be kind of ideal. With gardenias, they do like a little more acid. You know, so there's a product if you wanted to use on them called Alkalichi, which is an acid-based kind of a fertilizer amendment that's got about 7% nitrogen, but it's made from acid, so it's going to make the soil more acidic that works really well. Or coffee grounds, you know, if, you know, if you're drinking coffee and, or if you go by somewhere like Starbucks, and a lot of times they'll give you like a big bag of them. And uh, the coffee grounds are also excellent for lowering pH. Excellent. That's really helpful. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, with that lowering pH, too, that's what the soil sulfur is doing. So you can always buy soil sulfur and add it as a separate amendment. The nice part about these fertilizers where they're labeled like citrus food is that they're blended and they have everything that you need to have a balanced package. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brent. Bye-bye. Gordon and Gilbert, good morning, Gordon. Good morning. Can you hear me? Very clearly, sir. Oh, good. Very good. Hey, I could use a little bit of help. I've got a saguaro that I've had for some 44 years, and it must be, who knows, 80 years, 100 years old. It's got lots of arms. Uh, I got to, it looks like I'm getting that root rot down at the bottom. Is there anything I can do to save it? You know, I don't know, know that there is, Gordon. It seems like that fungus has went kind of up through the middle, and it was a secondary problem after they stayed too hot and couldn't respirate this summer. Uh, you may try, and I'm not sure if it'll work or not, you might try using something like the Monterey Disease Control, which is a bacteria that eats fungus. And perhaps if it's not too far gone, it may work. I'm not, you know, no promises. But you would spray it right on the cactus itself and put it and water it in just shallowly on the roots and the surface below it. Do I need to cut away the dead? Well, the problem is with the ones I've seen, a lot of times the dead's already up through the center of the whole plant. And it's pretty well Mm -hmm. decayed before you notice it. Oh, boy. Okay, well, I'll give it a shot with a monitor and see what happens. Yeah, and I, I and, but you know, let us know, and I don't know if it's going to work or not, and I really haven't tried it yet. Yeah. Well, is there an arborist that does that kind of work? There's a lot of people with the cactus, and you know, I was we had a meeting with the U of A and the extension service and all kinds of people, but there doesn't seem to be any panacea or any wonderful cure yet. That's just my own guess of the day. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've seen them go down. It's a shame. To well, it. you know, literally thousands of them in the valley have gone down. But, you know, if you notice out in the desert where they're not in quite such a heat island, they did a lot better. And, um, yeah. you know, they just we just stand too hot around town. Okay, I appreciate your help. Thanks, Gordon. Bye-bye. Uh, Mike in the Santan Valley. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a couple of Fantex ashes in my backyard. They're about 18 years old. Uh, they've grown up to where they're about as you know high as a two-story house. Um, the roots have kind of spread shallow, so um, they kind of spread wide, and they're interfering with my uh, piping, my PVC piping for my sprinklers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So my lawn guy said, well, hey, we need to trim some of the roots. And so he trimmed some of the roots, and in full disclosure, he said, you may lose a couple of branches. I'm starting to see a lot more of the branches starting to go brown. Well, Mike, it was a really, really, really bad time of year to be trimming the roots on an ash tree. You know, that that done in the wintertime wouldn't be so problematic. But the ashes just in general had a rough summer anyway. How to prevent the um, roots in the future is to water deep and not so often. So when you're watering your lawn, (laughs) put on an inch of water. An inch of water is going to give you about a foot of penetration, so the roots will be down deeper. And then let it get completely dry between watering. So you really shouldn't be watering, you know, most lawns more than once a week, even in the heat of the summer. Okay? And if you keep keep the water on the surface all the time, you're going to have more problems. But now what we want to do is everything you possibly can for that tree. So what I would do for them right now is I would fertilize the whole lawn around them with some 21714 lawn fertilizer and that'll work fine for the okay. tree go extra heavy under the trees and keep them real wet water them real heavy once a week and that's about the best you can do for the tree and if you want to do any more okay. root pruning save it for the winter time when it's dormant it doesn't have leaves okay yeah you, he was trying to repair the sprinkler system so that was the challenge that he had to do that to, to do that so i understand that um so uh so 21 7 14 mm-hmm. this regular lawn fertilizer sprinkled underneath the canopy of the tree because that's where it's been getting its water and if you just want to water under the tree areas just get one of those little round sprinklers it just sprays like a little fan pattern you know and uh, and just right. water right under the tree and get it real wet Okay, perfect. Yeah, I have one of those already, so I'll fertilize and get that going then. Thank you. All right. You. Good luck, Mike. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Dale and Mesa, but after Dale, it's wide open. We still got 15 minutes left. Perfect time to give us a call. We had Mr. Sal here today. He's been great with the phones and music. Give him a call. Say hi. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Hello, Dale and Mesa. Hello, Brian. How you doing? Oh, enjoying the morning. Great. Got a question about pruning. Um, I've got a rosemary bush that I inherited with the house when I bought it two years ago. And my wife was insistent, no, you can't touch it. Don't prune it. Don't cut it back. Well, guess what I've got now? Almost a yard full of rosemary. (laughs) Um, I don't know how far back I can prune it. Well, if you Uh, prune them back so that there's no foliage on them, a lot of times rosemary won't come back very well. So okay. what, what, what you could do is you could prune, you know, 50% of the plant back and expose some of the wood and see if it'll generate some new growth um, down below. But, um, you know, they do get out of hand. And, I, you know, honestly, for a lot of people, the option is just to pull them out and plant a new one because um, they can get, you know, especially with age, can get quite large. Yeah, this one's got trunks on it the size of my forearm (laughs) so what uh, what i would do is i would expose some of that wood down below okay Uh, so it gets some sun just thin it out and open it up and see if it generates any new growth down below and if it doesn't do it within the next six weeks or so it probably won't and so then you could decide whether you might get to a bonsai or just grow it up as a tree or what you're gonna do with it (laughs) all right the other question is, I've got a, a ficus. should have been a bush. Uh, again, the wife didn't want me to touch it. She wanted it to be natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, this bush is now half of my yard. Okay. Uh, I, my yard looks like rosemary and ficus bush. <laughs> I, well, wait a minute. I had a, tell me how happy your wife is now that it's all a rosemary and ficus bush. 
If she's really uh, happy, I wouldn't touch If she's really happy, Dale, I wouldn't touch a thing. <laughs> well, but see, she, she wants her flower bed back. Oh, okay. So she has <laughs> she has an incentive then on how to get along. That's a good deal. So the ficus uh-huh. tree, the best time to really butcher it is in the spring. So if you really, really want okay. to butcher it heavy, the best time to prune it back and just really massacre the thing is in March. Um, does she want to try and plant flowers this fall? Uh, probably. Okay, because fall is a great time to plant flowers right now. So if she wants to prune up the ficus, you know, is your ficus real healthy still? Yes. Okay, it, because it, some it, around it, town really yeah. took a hit. But if yours if yours is healthy and you want to prune it and raise it up or just get some sunlight in there and prune away 20% of the tree right now, it's not going to hurt a thing. Okay. So then if you really want to butcher it and take it back down by like 70%, do that in March. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. I, I have a time frame then. Yeah, Great. I know I, I know the ficus will do well. The rosemary, eh, maybe not so much, but the ficus for sure will be fine. <laughs> Okay. Uh, can I squeeze in one last question? Sure. Um, I've got a uh, my backyard. It's got a border that is still just dirt because I hadn't finished it. I've got citrus in this border, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a Meyer lemon and, oh, I put in some grapevines now, and there's a, a kumquat in there. I was going to do mulch in the border mm-hmm. because I really don't like rock. Okay. But I've heard things about you have to keep the mulch away from the trees and the grapevines because it'll start to cause a mold or a rot or something. <laughs> hey, Dale, I've got 700 acres of citrus trees. I guarantee I don't clean those leaves out from under them. Okay? And uh, and they're pretty healthy. So if your irrigation's okay. correct, you know, you're not keeping it moist all the time, which is pretty hard to do here in Arizona anyway. You know, on citrus and grapes, pretty much weekly watering in the summer is enough unless it's super hot. Um, you'll never have a problem with anything like that. And, and you can use okay. a mulch kind of a product if you want to. In fact, I've got some uh, some wood bark mulch that uh, we could probably make you a deal on if you need like a, a pickup truckload or something out of our Southern Avenue store. Okay. It's, I will visit the Southern Avenue store then. Because yeah. It, yeah, it's a pretty big border. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's a product that, you know, we just don't, it's a little coarse and we're not using it in our present soil mix, but for a top dressing, it's great. You know, it's kind of a three-quarter inch size, so we'll, we'll make you a deal. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, Dale. Bye-bye. Bye, Brian. You too. Uh, We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Denise and uh, Karen and uh, whoever's calling on the next line. But that leaves us with two more lines that we're sure we'll get before the end of the hour. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. KTAR.
sides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. But the world is not is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Welcome back, folks. Um, beautiful Sunday morning out there. I want to take a moment and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size. If you're looking for beautiful fall color, we've got gorgeous geraniums. If you're looking for some roses, if perhaps the tropics are more your idea, you want to plant a plumeria. If you're looking for acatillos that are rooted in containers and even exotic things like McDougalai acatillos, we grow them all here in Arizona. And we have a huge selection right now at the nurseries. Trucks come in every day from our farms and farms around the country. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. No jobs too big, none's too small. If you need 100 date palms for your project, we've got them. If you're looking for bigger trees, 48, 60, 72-inch boxes, we grow a lot of those as well, and a wide variety, things from pistachios, ashes, and elms to fruitless olives, ironwoods, and mesquites. Whatever your dreams, come out and see us at Woodfields. We're, we'll still do the digging. We're open Monday through Saturday, 8 to 5.30, Sundays, 10 to 4. Denise in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. So last spring, I planted a lemon tree and a mandarin orange tree. And summer to plant new trees. Um, my lemon tree is doing fine because it got some shade late afternoon, but the little mandarin orange tree I thought was like done for. Mm-hmm. And I went out to take it out of the ground and lo and behold, right on the bottom, there's like three little sprouts of green leaves on it. So I need to know what to fertilize it with and how often I should water that little bugger this time of year. Uh, if it's right on the bottom, I'd fertilize it with a shovel or a hoe and get rid of it. Okay. Those aren't three little birds on the bottom. Those are three more little pieces of the rootstock coming up. And left, you're going to regraft it and spend the next two or three years messing with it. Uh, I would just change it. <laughs> you know, well, it's about. It. I shouldn't say right on the bottom. It's about um, eight, ten inches above ground on the stock. Okay. It was underneath well, the little piece of. Um, you know, they had the band around it that said mandarin orange, and I pulled that off to take it out, and here there were these two little Okay, off of well, there. look so and see if you can see where it's grafted, Denise. And so it should have a, okay. it should, should come up out of the ground, that should have a knob on it, okay? Yep. It, and if they're coming up above the knob, they're above the graft, and those will be the mandarin orange. If it below that, it'll be a rootstock, and so it won't produce good fruit. Okay. So there's no reason to okay. grow a rootstock for a long time. And uh, But no, as long as it's, it's got something coming up above the graft, it'll it'll come back out and grow. But you know, with a tree that okay. size, it will take it quite quite some time to make a tree. And the difference and between that. that, well, the difference between that and the lemon trees, lemons are on lemon rootstocks and they grow a lot faster in general. Um, okay. But it might take you four or five years to get fruit on it, depending on the rootstock what's on. But yeah, so just go ahead and fertilize it right now, balance fertilizer, and cut the little wrap back to where that's Exposed, and you might want to restake it so that it's uh, just take the new growth back up to where it's like two to three feet tall, and then let it branch out from that point. Okay. Okay. 
That's what I needed. Thank you very much. Have fun. Bye-bye. Karen and Casa Grande, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Um, I have a Bermuda lawn that I don't overseed, and I used um, pre-emergent the last couple of years and gotten rid of all the varieties of weeds in Uh there except for yellow nut sedge, and I'm having an awful time. (laughs) Well, no pre-emergent is going to kill that one. But you know what, Karen? This is an excellent time of year to treat it, okay? There's a product called Sedge Hammer, like sledgehammer, but nut sedge hammer. And that's a pretty good one. Or Monterey uh, makes a nutgrass uh, killer as well. And this is the perfect time here. What you want to do is not mow it. Okay, give it a couple weeks growth and spray it right now. And when you use either one of those chemicals, you might want to mix a little bit of like Dawn soap with it. And uh, that's going to be kind of a surfactant and help hold it on a little bit better. And you can even mix a little bit of water-soluble fertilizer like Miracle Grow with it, too. But uh, you won't kill it all this this time of year, but you'll kill a big percentage of it. You know, and this is the best time of year to spray it because it's storing energy in those nuts this time of year. So it will take more down in there. But let it grow four or five inches tall before you spray it. Okay. And and should I spot spray or you... Spray my whole lawn. Well, there's no reason to spray your whole lawn if it's not everywhere. So usually it's best applied with like one of those little one gallon to three gallon tank sprayers. That you know, one. Okay, yep. perfect. Yeah, and just, just mix it up and spot spray it. And, you know, what we do is we uh, use a marker in it too so we can make sure we're spraying where we want to. But you can do that with a little food coloring oh. if you want to. Oh, okay, great. And what about spectricide? I have some of that. Weed stop for lawns? Is that I, I have no idea what's in it. Okay. So if, right. if it's a weed yeah. stop for lawns, I would be pretty careful with a lot of them because most of them on the label, you're going to see that they contain 2,4-D, okay? And that's a contact herbicide, and it works very well to kill weeds and grass, but it also can kill shrubs and trees and volatilize if the temperature's above 85 degrees. So you always yeah. want to read the labels. And they're, they're, some of these chemical mixtures now contain some other things. Anything that says it's going to kill weeds for a longer period of time, uh, I would be yeah. very reluctant to use. Yeah, and this is 2,4-D right on the front. Well, 2,4-D, so it's, a, it's a very useful product if you have weeds that come up, okay? So it's it's not uh, going yeah. to work as yeah. any kind of a pre-emergent. It's just going to kill anything that's coming up, but it won't it won't kill that nutgrass. Okay, then it's a hammer. you said, Sed- Sedge hammer or Monterey nutgrass killer. Okay. All righty. I'll get some. Thanks, Brian. Thank so you. Good Bye-bye. Uh, Peggy in, uh, looks like Pinedale. Hi, Peggy. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have a quick question regarding wild turkeys. Mm-hmm. Normally, they are out by the covered bridge, which would be about a quarter mile away. They've found my backyard, which is a little less than two acres, all grass under pines and juniper. Mm-hmm. And it's the first year I've ever seen any um, areas that have been dug up. And at first I thought it was maybe the skunk. And it seems to be a flock of 16 because the area they're excavating is really big and they're going all kinds of uh, areas in the yard tearing up the grass you know what i would do Becky? do you have anybody you could borrow a dog from i don't but i thought about getting one of those uh, monitors that barks yeah, their their turkeys are smarter than that. You know, they were going to be our national bird. They're really pretty pretty intelligent. But if you could just borrow a dog for a few days, I'd probably chase them off. 
Okay. Maybe maybe go down to your local pub and find somebody that's got, say, hey, who's, who's got a dog around here? And uh, invite him over for dinner a couple nights. And the, and the dog, once, once the dog's there, they won't stay. You know, if they've got a predator around like that, they're, and they're probably, is your area fenced? Actually, I have a pole fence, so they can go under uh-huh. easily. Okay. Well, but you know the thing. The thing about it is, is they just need somebody to chase them off. And you know, the easiest thing is they're they're natural enemies, and the dog's the best. Okay. What about cayenne pepper? It's not going to work. You know, all the all the Peggy, these turkeys are smart. You know, they they're, they are okay. they haven't been around and in, in so prolific for you know all the time. You know, if they weren't so bright, but they're really a bright bird, and um, you you just need something to shake them off. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, Dan and Litchfield. Let's see, Dan. We're out of time. I'm gonna have to say goodbye. Uh, just a thought for the day, folks. Um, this is one that a, a listener gave to me. Um, you know, the mind is a lot like a parachute. It doesn't work unless it's open. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you.